How many of you are, are, are prepared? Yeah, Kelly says she is. Is anyone else in here prepared? Yeah, a few others. What are you prepared for? They have something in mind, but the rest of you are kind of cautious. You know, I know these trick questions. What are you prepared for? I believe that 100%. But that's not what I had in mind. I knew someone was going to give that right answer. And um, no, I'm talking about something different. You know, there's two kinds of people in the earth. There are those that are prepared and those that are not. There are those that prep and those that don't. And what we're going to look at tonight is how many have you ever heard the term preppers? Preppers, yeah, people that prep. They expect something bad's going to happen or they know the possibility of something bad happening. So they prepare to deal with it. Whether it's a food shortage or a nuclear blast or, you know, long ago, these bunkers were real popular. I mean, they made movies about it. People going in and hiding for 30 years and all of that stuff. So I won't give any titles so that you don't know what I actually was dumb enough to watch. But it was a long time ago, all right? So, have you prepped for end times? Now, I use end times because I know that will get your attention. I could just say, have you prepped for hard times and you'll think one thing. But have you prepped for end times? Because there's going to be some hard times in the end times. Let's go over to 2 Timothy chapter 3. And we'll begin in verse, verse 1. I'm reading in the Christian Standard Bible. 2 Timothy 3.1. And we see something that is said here. Paul is writing to his his... Son in the, in the Lord, Timothy. And he tells him this in verse 1. He says, But know this, hard times will come in the last days. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, proud, demeaning, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, slanderers. Today we don't call it that, we call it the media, but (laughs) without self-control, brutal, without love for what is good, traitors, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And you say, Pastor, why are you reading so slow? Because this is such a big list of things, it's hard to really grasp when you read through it. You have to stop and let it soak in a little bit. What is that? <clears throat> lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness but denying its power. Avoid these people. Avoid these people. Now let's go back to verse 1. Know this. So you should know this. Hard times will come in the last days. Hard times will come. You know, the uh, I'm going to read it to you in a bunch of diff- different translations. The ESV says, understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. Times of difficulty. The NIV, <clears throat> mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. 
terrible times in the last days. The NLT, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days, there will be very difficult times. You know, the King James and some of the others call it perilous times. Perilous times. So it's dangerous times. Uh, Let's see. Let's look at the God's Word translation. You must understand this. In the last days, there will be violent periods of time. Violent periods of time. How about the Passion Translation? I'm reading these different translations to you because it gives you a more, a better, fuller scope of what that word means and what the context, or not context, but the, the breadth of it. But you need to be aware that in the final days, <clears throat> the culture of society, this is the Passion Translation, the culture of society will become extremely fierce and difficult for the people of God. And then finally, in the message translation, don't be naive. Don't be naive. There are difficult times ahead. (laughs) It doesn't get more simple than that. Don't be naive. Know this. Understand this is what Scripture says. There's difficult times. There's very difficult times. There's dangerous times. There's, you know, violent times. There's all these things ahead. And are you prepared for it? Have you taken this into consideration? I don't know, Pastor. I liked this a lot better before it started. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Is what are motivate? Why do people prep? You know, one reason that some people prep, not everyone, one reason that some people prep is because they're afraid. It's the prepping um, world. Um, what do you call it? Realm. There's like a whole group of people that, that are really into that. But that whole prepping world is just rife with fear and is largely motivated by fear. Fear of lack. Fear of danger. Fear of all these things. Alright, so that would be one reason to prep. is because you're afraid. <clears throat> but another reason to prep would be because you see danger coming and you prepare for it. Right? So you wouldn't have to be in fear to be someone who is prepared and who has looked and seen some of the things that are happening around us and said, okay, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be ready for that. In fact, in Proverbs 22-3, there's a verse that says, the prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple just go ahead and get right into trouble. And so the prudent, they see it coming. So my question is, is prepping wrong? Is prepping good? it could be wrong, it could be good, but it's really going to depend where your heart is. See, look, if we, failing to prepare is preparing to fail. If you're failing to prepare, you are preparing to fail. Now, some of you are hearing me as, oh, so I should be stockpiling food. No, that's not what I'm saying. There are several ways to prepare. There is the man who prepares only in the natural. He is very unprepared. Alright? Being truly prepared is going to be knowing who your source is and knowing that I don't care what comes my way, my needs are still met. You could not stockpile enough unless you have Egyptian style stockades for, for to, to have enough. 
Because looking around us and watching, you know, food shortages, watching the threat of nuclear war, we can, you know, there's formula shortages, there's all kinds of shipping problems, so-called, there's, you know, a lot of craziness going on in the world right now. What if it gets a whole lot worse? Someone say, it's going to. I mean, we just read, it's going to get really bad. We're just not there yet. Whether it's this year or next year or in our lifetime, I can't answer that for you. But it is coming. A day is coming where you're going to have, you're not, read Revelations. You're not going to be able to buy food. People won't sell it to you. There's going to be shortages. There's going to be people that think it'd be better to die. So I said failing to prepare is preparing to fail. Failing to prepare looks like this. You're being oblivious, naive. I'm not talking about natural preparation. You know, the people that put forth all this great effort to prepare, they do, uh, a lot of them that are doing it out of fear are doing it in their own strength. And their best efforts are like the flower of the field. It's here today and it's gone tomorrow. Let's go over to Proverbs 11, 23. We'll begin in verse 23. Proverbs 11.23 says the desire of the righteous turns out well, but the hope of the wicked leads to wrath. So putting your confidence and your trust in your stockpile of food is behaving like the wicked and that just leads to wrath, to frustration, to anger, to strife. In verse 24, one person gives freely yet gains more. Another withholds what is right only to become poor. A generous person will be enriched and the one who gives a drink of water will receive water. Water someone else, sow water, you receive water. People will curse anyone who hoards grain, but a blessing will come to the one who sells it. The one who searches for what is good seeks favor, but if someone looks for trouble, it will come to him. Anyone trusting in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like foliage. The righteous will flourish. So, let's say that you are all prepared in the natural. And that you have three years of food stacked up for you and your family. You've got four, five, six huge deep freezes full of meat. You've, you've got, you know, all these preparations. You know, there's a lot of things that can happen that make that just go poof. Gone. You know, when the power goes out. When the fuel stops flowing. And your generators run out of fuel. What are you going to do about the freezers now? Right? Or when war comes and people flee, you can't take the freezer with you. Right? Now, all that preparation is back at the house and we're a thousand miles away from the house. There's no amount of prepping that can save you from disaster. There's no amount of prepping. There's only one, one that can do that for you and I. Save you from disaster. and quite frankly, let's say that that is you, and let's say that you have a way to keep your freezer running and to keep the three years of food. Well, when the neighbors come to you because they're starving, are you seriously not going to feed them? I have full confidence that you all would. Because the love of Christ would compel you. And you would say, you know what, I know the one who can get more of this to us. And you would share freely. That's the difference between the children of light and the children of darkness. Because one leads to wrath. 
to guard my stockpile, and the other gives freely and yet is enriched. I am not, I am not against any of you having a store of things. Alright? It may become useful, it may not, um, but don't have selfishness in your heart when you store those things up. Right? When you store them up, do so for the good of you and those around you. Let's go over to uh, Jeremiah chapter 17. So what's the difference between those who are properly prepared and those that aren't? Let's look at some scriptures here. In Jeremiah 17, 5, I'll read 5 and 6. It says, this is what the Lord says. Cursed is the person who trusts in mankind. He makes human flesh his strength and his heart turns from the Lord. He will be like a juniper in the Arabah. He cannot see when good comes, but dwells in the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land where no one lives. And those junipers are tiny little trees that are stunted and they don't bear any fruit and they're gnarly and they're twisted. They're not nice to look at and they're not big enough. You can't build a house from it, right? There's not much use for it except to burn them. Why? Because... They, these trees, is the metaphor, they've made their, their trust not the one who is their provider, but in other things. The verse that he says before, cursed is the person who trusts in mankind. We could say it a different way. Cursed is the person who trusts in his savings account. Cursed is the person who trusts in his stockpile of food. Right? Cursed is the person, on and on and on. You know, Psalms, we're going to stay here in Jeremiah. Uh, I'll read some Psalms to you, though. Psalms 33 says this, No king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all its great strength, it cannot save. There's a lot of talk about shortages right now. And tonight, I want you to Realize that that doesn't move you. That that doesn't dictate how you will live. That that doesn't determine whether or not you're going to make it. That doesn't determine those shortages aren't going to be the difference of life or death for you. And it's not dependent upon your ability to stockpile things. It's going to be like this. I'll keep reading there where I was at in Psalms 33. You guys just hold Jeremiah. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear Him and on those whose hope is in His unfailing love. <clears throat> Where is your hope? Did you know that, that God loves you enough to take care of you? He cares about you. He loves you completely. He hasn't withheld anything. I mean, He gave His most precious thing for you. For you. And some people... Or they, they go, well, they can see that, that God gave this for everyone, but they don't really receive it here for them. I know God loves you, not so sure He loves me. <laughs> so, let's just say that right now. God loves me. I believe it. Alright, so His eyes are on those whose hope is in His unfailing love. In His unfailing love. Let me ask you this. If I had the ability, if my child, my children were starving and they came to me and said, I need something to eat, because I love them, I would provide it if I at all could, right? 
If it was within my power to do so, I would give them food. Because I love them. Well, my love for my child pales in comparison to God's love for you, His child. And so, just like Jesus multiplied a couple loaves and fed 5,000 and fish and fed 5,000, in the same way, He could do it for you. He could do it for you. It doesn't matter the shortage that's come on or the price of fuel or the lack of fuel or, you know, all those things. I'll keep reading. To deliver them from death. So His eyes are on them. Their hope is in His unfailing love. For what? To deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. His unfailing love will deliver you from death and will keep you alive in famine. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. Someone say, the Lord is my help. He loves to help me. In Him, our hearts rejoice, for we trust in His holy name. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. Psalms 20 says something similar. It says, some trust in chariots and some in horses. But we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They, those who trust in chariots and horses, they are brought to their knees and fall, but we rise up and stand. You know, if we were writing this today, we might write it differently. Some trust in their preparations and bunkers. But we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Some trust in their jobs. Some trust in the the hand sanitizer, the 99.99% hand sanitizer, right? You've got to watch out for that last... 0.001%, I guess. But no, we've got an answer for that too, right? That's not, that's not our answer. <clears throat> they are brought to their knees and they fall, but we, we rise up, not fall, we rise up and stand firm. Why? Because we're on the rock. We're on the rock. Tapped into the source. Alright, let's go look at verse 7 and 8 here of Jeremiah where we were reading. So we have the person who's cursed, who trusts in mankind. Here it says the per, in verse 7, the person who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence indeed is the Lord, is blessed. Unless, of course, there's a drought. And then you'll probably go hungry and do without and lose everything. That's how some people read it. It's not what it says. The person who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence confidence indeed is the Lord. Where's your confidence? Whose confidence is indeed the Lord is blessed. He will be like a tree planted by water. It sends its roots out toward a stream. It doesn't fear when heat comes. Its foliage remains green, unaffected by the drought, unaffected by its surroundings. It will not worry in a year of drought or cease producing fruit. Can trees worry? No, he's not talking about trees, is he? He will not worry when what? In the year of drought. He will not worry when gas prices get high. He will not worry when the shelves in the store are empty. He will not worry when there's no formula to be found. And it will not cease producing fruit. Still fruitful. Still useful. Feeding those around it. It's in the middle of a drought. Flourishing in spite of circumstances. Go over to Isaiah 61. I want you to see something here. Jeremiah isn't far away. 
Isaiah 61. Now, this was the, the first two verses is what Jesus stood up in Luke 4 in the synagogue. He found the place in Isaiah and he read from the scroll and he says, you know, the spirit of the Lord God is on me and he's anointed me to, you know, and he went through the list of things. Okay, that's the first two verses. Verse three, he didn't quote, but let's read verse three in Isaiah where he was reading from. It says to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, festive oil instead of mourning and splendid clothes instead of despair. Now, check this out. And they will be called righteous trees planted by the Lord to glorify him. Righteous trees. Someone say, I'm a righteous tree. I am a righteous tree. All right, go over to Isaiah 58. You're in Isaiah there. And verse 9. Now, Isaiah 58 is the passage about fasting. All right? And if you if you do a fast properly, he says this is the result. I'll just begin reading in verse 9. At that time, when you call, the Lord will answer. When you cry out, He will say, Here I am. If you get rid of the yoke among you, the finger pointing and malicious speaking, and if you offer yourself to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted one, then your light will shine in the darkness and your night will be like noonday. Man, bright. You need sunglasses. The Lord will always lead you, satisfy you in a parched land, and strengthen your bones. Let's say, let's say the Lord will always lead me. He will satisfy me in a parched land. He will strengthen my bones. I am like a watered garden. A spring whose water never runs dry. So I asked a little while ago, how do you prepare? How do you properly prepare? If I didn't ask that, I meant to. All right. Some of you are looking at me like, yeah. So how do you properly prepare? You know, there's there's several ways to solve most problems. If a lion were to attack you, what do you do? Anyone have the proper procedure how to defeat a lion attack? Anyone been trained in lion lion fighting skills? Okay. well, we could ask Samson. And he'll grab the lion and rip it apart like it's nothing. We could ask Daniel and he'll pray and an angel will show up and close the lion's mouth. So is one way more right than the other way? No. They're both right. What's the difference? The Spirit of the Lord came mightily on Samson and he dealt with it in that way. But the Spirit of the Lord was with Daniel and he prayed and dealt with it in that way. So depending on the situation and where you're at, God's going to have you deal with it one way one time and another way another time. Or let's let's think about famine and going to Egypt. When famine shows up, is it wise to go to Egypt? Some people go to Egypt when the famine comes around. <clears throat> Remember Isaac? Isaac in, in Genesis 26 where it says a famine was in the land and the Lord told Isaac, don't go down to Egypt. You stay here. And so he, he plants that year in the drought, and he reaps 100 times what he sowed. Not affected by what was going on around him. He's blessed. Says he just kept going forward and increasing more and more and more. And that he was very rich. And that he had flocks, plural, of sheep. Herds, plural, of cattle. Had lots of servants. Was blessed. 
He didn't go to Egypt when famine came. Oh, so that's how you deal with famine. You stay and you plan. Not necessarily. That's not how the Lord provided for Jacob. He sends Joseph down to Egypt ahead of him. And if you read in in Genesis 45, you can read the account, but Joseph is very clear with his brothers. He says, look, the Lord sent me here to prepare for this famine for you so that you guys would live. So don't be hard on yourselves for doing what you did to me. Because this is bringing about God's purpose for you. And so they dealt with famine a different way. They went to Egypt. That's how they dealt with the famine. And, And Joseph, in God sending Joseph to prepare. Did God really care that much about Pharaoh? No, he cared about Jacob. Who's the one he had covenant with. And he had Joseph go down there. And and wisdom. The, Pharaoh has a dream. The wisdom of God in Joseph says, okay, here's what you do. You prepare. He says, let's stockpile. Seven years of plenty for the seven years of famine that are coming. And so they were prepared. And it says the whole world came to them and was fed. Why? Because God was taking care of His covenant children. The whole world benefited because He was taking care of His covenant children. It can be the exact same way now. We have a better covenant than they did. We have we are sons. They weren't. Their sins still stood against them. Ours don't. We are the righteousness of God. You know, better covenant means includes everything the old would do plus. It's not better if it doesn't do at least what the old one did. All right, let's go to Psalms. Psalms chapter 1. Psalms 1, 1. How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway with sinners or sit in the company of mockers. Instead, his delight, everyone say delight, His delight is in the Lord's instruction. And he meditates on it day and night. I asked the question how to prepare properly. Here's step number one. Delight in the Lord. Delight in His Word. Meditate day and night on Him. He the source. What He has said. On His love for you. Your relationship with Him. Day and night. That's the most real thing to you. The thing that takes up most of the space inside your head. Constantly aware of Him with you. You're delighting in Him. You you delight in His instruction. And don't think of the Lord's instruction only as what's written in the Word. Think of the Lord's instruction of what He's ministering in your heart. Today do this. Today do that. Shouldn't you call so-and-so and and encourage them? Hey, send them a text. Delight in His instruction. Delight means that you're looking for more. Not just jumping up and down about what was written. He's the God of now. He's still ministering to you and I and leading you and I. Now, what He ministers to you on the inside is never going to contradict what is written. Right? But He is going to lead you still today and minister to you. Remember Mary... The mother of Jesus' instruction was real simple. Just do what He tells you. Do what He tells you. Alright, go. Uh, let's keep reading here. Delight. His delight is in the Lord's instruction and He meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bear its fruit in its season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever He does 
prospers. Whatever he does. Have children, it prospers. Have business, it prospers. Communicate, it prospers. Are you listening? Whatever you do, it prospers. The wicked are not like this. Instead, they're like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand up in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous. The Lord's watching over you, the righteous. Over you, the righteous. But the way of the wicked leads to ruin. Let's go over to Psalms 91. This is one that is probably a favorite to many of you. Psalms 91, look in verse 1. We're looking at and answering the question how to properly prepare for hard times. So number one, you're going to delight in the instruction of the Lord. Delight in His promise. Delight in His character. Delight in His love for you. See, you're not just in a business relationship with the Father. You're in a family relationship with Him. That's completely different than a business relationship. Will you guys carry family business out? Sure. Right? Kingdom business. But your family. Verse 1. We're going to see some more things that we should do. The one who lives under the protection of the Most High dwells in the shadow of the Almighty. It's a place to abide. It's a place to live. It's a place to be. It's a place to stay. Verse 2. I will say concerning the Lord. I will say. Let's, I'm going to switch over to the NIV for this. Psalms 91. <clears throat> I will say of the Lord. He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in whom I trust. We have a part. We delight in the Lord. We have another part. And that is what we say. What we speak. You look around and you see high gas prices. And you see food shortages. And you begin to speak out negative things and fear things and oh no woe is me you can have exactly what you say right but if you will instead will say this and you guard your mouth and you say you know what he is my refuge my fortress he's my strong tower he's my god i trust in him we have to make him our lord right we have to say he is our lord he is my lord lordship is different than just savior It means He's given you the marching orders. That you follow His lead. Verse 3. Surely He will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers. And under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night. Or the arrow that flies by day. So here's part number three. Or four. You will not fear. You're going to delight in the Lord. Right? You're going to speak. You're going to open your mouth and say. Make these declarations and believe it. You're going to trust in God. Number three. And then number four is you're going to resist fear. Says you will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day. Let's say it a different way. You're not going to fear what you can't see, and you're not going to fear what you can see. Night and day. 
You're not, in verse 6, you're not going to fear the pestilence that stalks in the darkness. You're not going to fear the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand. In other words, if there's that many people falling around you, some people that are close to you probably fell. But it will not come near you. You will only observe it with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say, the Lord is my refuge, and you make the Most High your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster. No disaster. Someone say, no disaster. Will come near your tent. And Peter, he called our bodies a tent. Our flesh body, he called it a tent. Temporary tent. No disaster will come near your tent. Your body. Right? You can also say my household, that's fine. But I'm saying no disaster is coming upon your tent. On your body, on your house. And if we're going to say these things about the Lord, that means we have to believe them. That means that the reason we're saying them is not to get God to do something, but because we believe something about God. We trust His character. We trust His love for us. We trust that He'll do exactly what He says He would do. We have a confidence that, you know what, He loves me and He wouldn't let anything like that happen to me. So well, how do you know? You know, there's bad things happen to good people all the time. Yeah, it does. We don't know why. I can tell you many stories about why bad things didn't happen to good people. Because someone was listening and paying attention. I remember back when we lived in Colorado, I was, I was uh, working in construction and we had started the church there. We had, uh, I was working for a company that built log homes. And so we're working up on the side of the mountain and, and every morning I would get up and I would have some quiet time with the Lord, which would look like I would read my Bible and, and consider what I was reading and let the Lord just minister to me through what I was reading and explain things to me. And then I would go to work. Well, this particular morning, I had this prompting, this pulling on the inside that I should take some time and ask the Lord for any instructions for today and specifically wait for some answers. And so I did that. That wasn't what I normally did every morning. Normally, my prayer time was while I was alone driving in the vehicle. But this morning, he, he, there was just this pull. Go over and kneel down in front of the, the love seat and, and talk to the Lord and ask Him, is there anything I should know about today? That was the question that came up on the inside. So that's what I did. I knelt down, Lord, is there anything I should know about today? And the only thing I hear on the inside is, be careful where you stand or you'll be crushed. Really? Something, you know, the devil's trying to put fear in me. I was, I'll ask again, Lord, you know, I bind every spirit. No spirit is allowed to speak to me except the spirit of the Lord. So, Lord, here I am. Speak to me. You know, and be careful where you stand or you'll be crushed. Okay, that's really weird. Now, first of all, I could have blown that off and not ever went to the love seat because that's not normally how I did it. Because, well, time is short and I'll just pray on the road. Well, then on the road, because phone calls and different things that are coming in, it interrupts it, so I end up never having that instruction time with the Lord. And then later in the day, I suffer a death because I got crushed because I wasn't paying attention. 
And then everyone would wonder, well, how come that young pastor out there died? I mean, come on, Lord, aren't these verses true? You know, doesn't he protect us from calamity? And, and that guy believed it and he died. I mean, he preached it and here he died. I mean, this exact thing, not with a log, but with other things in the word of faith and ministers this happened. Right. Most of you probably know stories like it. So I go to work and um, I was working actually up on we were putting the uh, rafters beams in place for the roof. And so I'm up above everything. There's nothing falling on me. There's nothing coming out of the sky to crush me because I'm above everything, right? They're bringing logs up to us and they're under us and we're walking on them and we're putting them together. But along about midday, the guy on the ground gets sick. The guy that was hooking the logs up and sending them up to us. So he gets sick, so they send him home. Now, is God making people sick? No. Something else. Other forces at play. So he goes home and they go, hey, um, Sid, you come down here and, and hook up logs and send them up. Okay. So we're on the side of a mountain. The house is up here. The logs are down here. And so in order for the crane to pick them up and then swing over on top of the house because it's uphill, it goes way up in the air, right? And um, I send log after log after log up and I'm not thinking about watch where you stand or you'll be crushed because I'm trying rapidly to learn this new skill of hooking log, logs up and minding my P's and Q's, right? And um, <clears throat> I hook up another log and it, this was our biggest one. And uh, we're sending it up. And as it went by my face, that word flashed back into my spirit. And so I just stepped way back, just like way away back from everything. And I'm watching this go up, up. Normally, I would be looking for my next log and what I'm going to do next. But I'm just watching this thing. And that thing after it was, you know, I don't know how high up in the air it was. It was quite a ways up there. It ripped loose from the from the grapples and just crashed right back down where I would have been working. My life was spared because of Psalms 91 right here. Because He is my Lord. Because I delighted in His Word and in His instruction and went to go find out His instruction. And He gave me the instruction for that day. And so, But many times we don't know these things. Many times the Spirit of the Lord will just prompt you, hey, don't drive that way to work today. Drive this way. And you avoid disaster and then you at the end of the day go, well, I don't know why He had me do that. Well, don't stop. Just keep doing that. That's It's working. <laughs> Alright? We don't know what you avoided over there. See, fear is optional. Not the temptation to fear. That will come regardless. It's optional whether you allow it in and give it access or not. You can reject it. Resist the devil and he will flee from you is what Scripture says. You're the one who's in control of whether you fear or not. It's up to you. You don't have to be afraid of formula shortages or or grocery store shortages or gas shortages or you name it. Nuclear war or whatever. We don't have to be afraid of this. Because we know the one who could turn stones into bread if need be. Who could stop fire and a nuclear blast all around us like in a bubble. Bam. Didn't the psalmist say, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no, none, zip, zilch, nada, ken. What's the Spanish word for it? I don't know. 
Nothing. Nada. I guess I already included it. <laughs> Nada. Okay. Okay. No evil. You get my drift. My point. No evil. None. Zip. Zero. None. Look at verse 11. This is God's part now. He will command His angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. So the angels have a part. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. You know, the devil likes to walk around like a roaring lion. He's not the lion. There is one lion that's from the tribe of Judah, right? But he likes to pretend like he's a lion. And he likes to roar, make you think he's a lion. And I find it interesting that that Scripture goes on and says that he is looking whom he may devour. Well, first of all, two things to that. Why is he looking? Because if you're hidden, he can't find you. If you're under the wing, he can't see you. And he's like, where'd they go? Where are they? Jonathan! Rawr! Maybe he'll jump out. I can scare him. Right? Some of you jumped at that. But if you just stay hidden, he can do all he wants out there. You're still hidden. You're still under the shadow of the Most High. All these rules are still at play. And then it says, whom he may devour. He's looking for whom he may. Well, he may not devour me. Now, if I'm a rebellious chickie and I don't delight in what the Lord says and I run out from under his wings, I don't trust in him. I look to my own speed to be able to get away from lions. My own preparations. I've been training. I've been doing line sprints. I can get away from them. <laughs> you know, if you look into that, you get out there and you become a snack. A lion snack, that's right. So what in verse 13, you will tread on the lion and the cobra. Both the lion and the snake represent the devil. Yeah. Or evil spirits. So man, if you're walking in the plan and will of God and you're staying sensitive and you're delighting in Him and you're trusting in Him and, and, and you're not allowing fear in, man, you can go right into the lion's den standing on top of a snake and deal with issues, right? In verse 14, because He loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue Him. I will protect Him for He acknowledges my name. He's mine. He's, he's my name. He's got my name. He will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Unless there's a nuclear blast. Or he starved to death. Or, 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 or. Don't read it that way. No. He, with long life, he will satisfy me and show me my salvation. Where are we on time? Okay, I have 15 minutes. I'm going to <clears throat> say, well, how come 15 minutes, Pastor? Other times you don't stop then. I know. That's where I set a limit for myself tonight. Because I have enough material here. We could be here all night. Psalms 56. I want to read several chapters to you. I want you to be watchful for these things that we talked about. Delighting in the Lord. Declaring His Lordship with your mouth. The things that you say. 
or don't say, trusting in Him, and not allowing fear to run you or make your decisions, influence your decisions. You can have symptoms of flu in your body, but you can still resist it. And when it comes on you, you can resist it. Same way with fear. You can begin to shake because I'm having symptoms of fear, but you can resist it. You don't have to yield and lay down to it. Psalms 56 and verse 1. I'm going to switch back to the CSB translation. Be gracious to me, God. Now, understand David wrote this when he has just been seized by the Philistines. He is currently in captivity when he writes this psalm. He has not been delivered yet. But look at where his confidence is. Look at his language. The way he, the terminology he uses. He could have said, Lord, I hope you deliver me. No, he doesn't say that. He, at the end, he thanks God. You delivered me. Past tense. Look at where his confidence is. All right, he, sa- he starts out, he says, Be gracious to me, God, for a man is trampling me. He fights and oppresses me all day long. My adversaries trample me all day, for many arrogantly fight against me. When I am afraid, I will trust in you. So he acknowledges that there's the temptation to fear, but now he states what he will do, where his confidence is, where his trust is. I will trust in you, in God, whose word I praise, in God I trust. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? They twist my words all day long. All their thoughts against me are evil. They stir up strife. They lurk. They watch my steps while they wait to take my life. Will they escape in spite of such sin? God, bring down the nations in wrath. You yourself have recorded my wanderings. Put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? Then my enemies will retreat on the day when I call. This I know. God is for me. Let's say that. This I know. God is for me. In God whose word I praise. In the Lord whose word I praise. In God I trust. I will not be afraid. What can mere humans do to me? I am obligated by vows to you, God. I will make my thank offerings to you. For you rescued me from death. Even my feet from stumbling. To walk before God in the light of life. Psalms 37. Let's look in verse 1. This is the Psalm of David. It says, do not be ag- 37.1 Do not be agitated by evildoers. Do not envy those who do wrong. For they wither quickly like grass and wilt like tender green plants. Trust in the Lord and do what is good. Dwell in the land and live securely. Dwell in the land. So trust in Him and now live in the land. And don't live fearfully, live securely. A lot of people talk about us living in uncertain times. But I like how Pastor Kurt says it. He goes, oh, we live in very certain times. A lot of people live in uncertain times, but you and I can be very certain. Take delight, verse 4, in the Lord. Delight in the Lord, and He will give you your heart's desires. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him, and He will act, making your righteousness shine like the dawn, your justice like the noonday. Be silent before the Lord and wait expectantly for Him. 
Do not be agitated by one who prospers in his way, by the person who carries out evil plans. Refrain from anger and give up your rage. Do not be agitated. It can only bring harm. For evildoers will be destroyed, but those who put their hope in the Lord will inherit the land. I'm inheriting this land. How about you? A little while and the wicked person will be no more. Though you look for him, he will not be there. But the humble will inherit the land and will enjoy abundant prosperity. And it does not say as long as the rest of the nation is prosperous. The wicked person schemes against the righteous and gnashes his teeth at him. But the Lord laughs at him because he sees that his day is coming. The wicked have drawn the sword and strung the bow to bring down the poor and needy and to slaughter those whose way is upright. Their swords will enter their own hearts and their bows will be broken. The little that the righteous person has, sounds like a lack of preparation, but it's not. Jesus wasn't walking around with lack of preparation. He was fully prepared. Doesn't mean that he took a whole chariot load of bread with him. In case he runs into 5,000 people. He was prepared in a different way. We'll multiply the bread. The little that the righteous person has is better than the abundance of the many wicked people. For the arms of the wicked will be broken, but the Lord supports the righteous. The Lord watches over the blameless all their days and their inheritance will last forever. They will not be disgraced in times of adversity. They will be satisfied in days of hunger. But the wicked will perish. The Lord's enemies, like the glory of the pastors, will fade away. They will fade away like smoke. The wicked person borrows and does not repay. But the righteous one is gracious and giving. That makes the difference between us and them. Those who are blessed by the Lord will inherit the land, but those cursed by Him will be destroyed. A person's steps are established by the Lord and he takes pleasure in his way. Though he falls, he will not be overwhelmed because the Lord supports him with his hand. I have been young and now I am old, yet I have not seen the righteous abandoned or his children begging for bread. He is always generous, always lending, and his children are a blessing. Turn away from evil, do what is good, and settle permanently, for the Lord loves justice and will not abandon his faithful ones. They are kept safe forever, but the children of the wicked will be destroyed. The righteous will inherit the land and dwell in it permanently. The mouth of the righteous utters wisdom. His tongue speaks what is just. The instruction of his God is in his heart. His steps do not falter. The wicked one lies in wait for the righteous and intends to kill him. The Lord will not leave him in the power of the wicked one or allow him to be condemned when he is judged. Look, we can put our faith to these scriptures, these promises. That even if someone planned to assassinate me, it will not work. Even if they're professionals, it's not going to happen. The Lord will warn me. He'll direct me to go somewhere different. He'll help me. If He needs to, He'll send an angel and block. Stop it right there. What does block mean? I don't know, but it stopped it. (laughs) Yeah, a shield. That's right. All right, verse 34. Wait for the Lord and keep his way, and he will exalt you to inherit the land. You will watch when the wicked are destroyed. I have seen a wicked, violent person, well-rooted, like a flourishing native tree. Then I passed by and noticed that he was gone. I searched for him, but he could not be found. Watch the blameless and observe the upright, for the person of peace will have a future. 
Does that sound like the person of peace came to an end? Starved to death? No. The person of peace will have a future. So no matter how hard, how difficult, how perilous the times are that we're coming into, you, the person of peace, has a future. But the transgressors will all be eliminated. The future of the wicked will be destroyed. The salvation of the righteous is from the Lord, their refuge in a time of distress. The Lord helps and delivers them. He will deliver them from the wicked and will save them because they take refuge in Him. All that to be said, you have to cooperate with Him and work with Him. You have to delight in Him. So well, what do you mean? Well, delight in His instructions. Ask Him, is there anything I should know? Um, trust in Him. Trust that He is good, that He will protect you. Your confidence in His protection for you is also the same confidence that will bring Him that still small voice on the inside and warn you about a situation. And don't allow fear in. When you see fear show up, deal with it accordingly and command it to leave. Remember Paul? He makes that whole list in Romans 8. What could separate us from the love of God? Could famine, could peril, could sword, could nukes, could COVID? You know, he makes this whole list. What could separate us? And Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing can separate us from no power, present or future. No earthly thing. He goes on and finally he just ends it with this. He says, no created thing. No created thing. Everything in the entire planet is, I mean, in the entire existence of universe and beyond is created save for God. He's not created. I don't know where he came from. Well, the Bible says he came from Tima, so there's that. Where's Tima? Well, that's a place in the Bible. You can look it up. It says God came from Tima. So when your children ask you where'd God come from, you say Tima. They go, where's that? I don't know. Yeah, there you go. So Paul makes this list, but I like how he ends it because he's focusing on the love of God for you. Not a business transaction. Not God's mercy. None of that. His love for you. Because He loves you and He would be glad to do this for you. Worship team, you can come. And I'm going to give you two more Scriptures to consider. You know, there's many, many, many more psalms that we could have read about withstanding famine, withstanding dangers, withstanding perils, and you prospering in the midst of it. There's many things that we could have read that Jesus said about this or that Paul said about it. And if we were to read them all, we'd be here for several days, I suppose. But in Psalms 4, verse 8, it says this, I will both lie down and sleep in peace. For You alone, Lord, make me live in safety. Think about Jesus for a minute in this boat crossing the sea and the storm shows up. And the thing's filling up with water and the storm is so bad that seasoned sailors are convinced they're going to die. This is not their first storm. They've seen storms. This is the one though. We're about to die. And Jesus is sleeping. Jesus is sleeping. They're like, we're going to die. No, you're not going to die. I'm here. You can't kill Jesus like that. Jesus said, no one can take my life from me unless I lay it down. 
I will both lie down and sleep in peace. For you alone, Lord, for you alone, Father, make me live in safety. You know, I have a security system on my house. That's not what makes me sleep in peace. I know that He's going to protect me no matter what. He will deliver me. Psalms 56 verse 9 says, Then my enemies will retreat on the day when I call. We read this earlier. They will retreat when I need it. In the moment that I need the deliverance, I can call to you, Lord, and the enemies are going to flee. They're going to retreat. By the way, I need to tell you this too. We often say, we read that phrase in Romans 8 about He has made us more than conquerors. And we think victory. That's not what conquerors is. If you're inside a city and the enemy comes and attacks that city and you've got fortified walls and you've got archers on the wall and you've got all these soldiers up on the wall and they come and they attack and you repel them. You withstand the attack. You win the victory. Did you conquer them? No, you just defended something. You just successfully defended something. Entirely different than conquering. Conquering is going in and taking it. Not just defending. So when you think of, well, the enemy came against me and I got the victory, well, that's great, but we're more than conquerors. We're going to take ground back from the enemy. We're going to take the bread back from him. We're going to take the people back from him. We're going to take the land back from him. We're going into his territory, into the den of the lion and the cobra, and we're coming out protected, victorious, and increased. Why? Because this I know. God is for me. Psalms 56 verse 9. This I know. God is for me. And he would do that for me. This I know. God is for me. Jesus said to the disciples, nothing shall by any means harm you. Nothing shall by any means harm you. Nothing. No thing. No created thing. No thing otherwise. In these times that we live in, you know, we talked about what our part is and and we went over the list of things that's our part. So what does that look like for you and I in this season and time that we live in? So check with the Lord. Is there something that I should be doing? Is there a certain preparing that I should be doing? Should I do what, Lord? And let Him direct you and guide you. And for each one of you, it may be a little different. It may be a different thing. But be open and sensitive to Him. Because it's not one or the other. It's not, oh, if you stockpiled something, then then you were off in the bushes. It could be both hands. You know, Jesus provided a plan B. In Mark chapter 4, I think it is, where he went down to the river to the, by the edge of the water to preach to the people, he told Peter, he said, or the disciples, he said, get a boat ready in case the press of the crowd becomes too much. That was his plan B, to get in the boat and not be crushed by the crowd. In the event that the crowd became, gave, gave too much pressure and trampled him. So was Jesus a person of faith? Yes, of course. So why couldn't he just listen to the Lord and do and do something different? Or, you know, walk through the center of the crowd? Well, because this time the Lord was telling him, get a boat ready. It doesn't even say they needed the boat. Or that they used it. But it was there in the event they needed it. And so prepare like the Lord tells you to prepare. Alright? 
And, and by being properly prepared, that means you're having a conversation with him and then he can direct everything from there. Now you're prepared, no matter what. You're prepared. We have um, the communion elements prepared here. And during this first song, you guys can file up and uh, just do like we normally do. Come up the center aisle and uh, go out the sides and back to your seat on the sides. Let's start in the back and work our way forward and um, take the elements. And then after the first song, we'll stop. We'll take the elements together and then we will proceed with uh, the worship song portion of our service. It's hard to party when you're holding bread and a drink in your hand, isn't it? You can't clap or dance and hallelujah. When we take this bread tonight, just remember that it is broken for you. For you. For your neighbor, for your family, for them too, but for you. So go ahead and receive from the Lord all that he meant for you to have in this new covenant. His body broken for you. His, he provided healing for you. So let's take it. Father, we thank you for your broken, broken body. Or Jesus, you for your broken body. Father, thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for making a way for us to be healed and walk in divine health and we just receive it right now. Be healed in Jesus' name. From the top of your head to the bottom of your feet and every place in between, healed by the divine power of God the Father flowing in and through you. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Jesus. Jesus said he took the cup. He said, this is my blood was shed for you. Someone say his blood was just for me. God gave what was the most valuable to him for you. So you are extremely valuable to the Lord. He loves you. With the love that he has for Jesus, he loves you. And this is covenant for you. That when you stand in the face of your enemies, when you stand and you're looking at what looks like certain death or starvation or sickness or whatever it is, this covenant, because He loves me, I am His and all His goodness belongs to me. Let's take it. Thank you, Father, for the blood of Jesus. Thank you that you gave us your righteousness, that we are redeemed, that we are yours, that we are called by your name, that we are your family, that your ears are open to our cry, and that you deliver us and you rescue us 
that you set us on the pathway. You set us upon the rock which cannot be shaken in the kingdom that cannot be shaken. We bless you for it, Father. We thank you for it and we rejoice in it in Jesus' name. won't forget the wonders of how you brought deliverance, the exodus of my heart, as you found me, you freed me, held back the waters for my release, oh young. Are you thankful? You are. Yes. Are you free? Yes. Are you provided for? Yes. Is there anything to fear? No. All right. Just make sure that you knew how to say more than yes. <laughs> well, this is Church of the Word, and one way that we love God is we love each other, and we make sure that each other is provided and cared for. And so check on your neighbor. Uh, as you spend time in fellowship downstairs, check on each other. Make sure that everyone has food in their fridge, gas in their tank, love in their heart. And if they don't have those things, you are well equipped to provide them. All right, be dismissed. Beautiful family of God, and boy, you are. Beautiful family of the Lord. Oh, we are so blessed. We are the most blessed people on the face of the earth. Do you believe that? I do too. We live it, we breathe it, we walk it, we talk it. We're just blessed. We can't help but be blessed. Glory to God. First Chronicles chapter 16 is about when David, King David, brought the Ark of the Covenant into the city of David. And there was much rejoicing. And First Chronicles 16 is where I would like to encourage you this, this evening in our worship time together. And it starts off by, by, it says, this is a psalm of David for this specific thing to thank the Lord. And it starts off with, oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name, make known his deeds among the people, and sing to him, sing songs to him. Talk of all his wonderful works and glory to his holy name. Let the hearts of those rejoice who seek the Lord. Seek the Lord and seek his strength. Seek his face forevermore. Remember his marvelous works which he has done his wonders and his judgments of his mouth. Give to the Lord, O families of the people, give to the Lord glory and strength. Give to the Lord the glory, do his name. Bring an offering and come before him. O worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Let the heavens rejoice and let the earth be glad. 
and let them say among the nations, our God reigns. Let the seas roar in all its fullness and let the fields rejoice in all that's in it. And the trees of the wood shall rejoice before the Lord for he is coming. How many of you know he's coming? He's coming to judge the earth. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His mercy, say his mercy. Aren't we glad for his mercy? His mercy endured forever. And say, save us, O God of our salvation. Gather us together and deliver us from the Gentiles to give thanks to your holy name, to triumphant in your praise. Blessed is the Lord God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting. And when the psalm was done, all the people said, Amen. And praise the Lord. Let's all stand up together. And let's not let the Israelites undo us in our praise tonight. Let's give God all the glory that is due his name. Jesus, we're so grateful for your presence here tonight. Thank you, Jesus, for your faithfulness to us. Thank you for opening up the way to have relationship with your Father and now our Father through that born-again experience. Thank you for shedding your blood on the cross, being buried, and rising from the dead to provide redemption for everyone, every whosoever. So, Father, we just thank you for that plan of redemption, that beautiful, rich plan of redemption that all of us have partaken in and walk out every single day. We're so grateful, so grateful, Jesus, for what you did and for who you are, head of the church right now, walking among us, loving us, correcting us, helping us to move in this beautiful journey of life with you. We're so grateful, so grateful. Well, why don't you turn to your neighbor because one way we love God is by loving one another. And one way we honor God is by honoring one another. Amen. The children may be released at this time as well. And we bless them as they go. Well, good evening. How are y'all doing? Nice and warm. <laughs> Well, it's good to be with you all again tonight. I'd like to welcome you to Church of the Word International. If this is your very first time, you just raise your hand so we can welcome you. If this is your very first time here at Church of the Word International. <laughs> well, we're glad for all of our visitors that are here. So we're going to prepare to return the tithe to the Lord this evening. So if you need a cash envelope, you can raise your hand and the ushers will bring one to you. If you're giving by credit card, do fill out all of the blanks. We would so appreciate that. You know, in this house, we like to always give scripture for you to attach your faith to. And you, when we go to do a thing with our finances, um, it's important that we, you know, it's just important to keep the right perspective for your finances, always. The right mindset. You know, scripture says that our steps are ordered of the Lord. Are they? Or are you ordering your steps? So it's important to keep the right perspective. The Lord is my source, and whatever I do, I do in faith. 
So I just want to stir you up tonight that God truly does want to meet your needs. And not just meet our needs, but he wants to bless us. He wants us to have the good of the land. So tonight, I just, let's, I want to encourage us all, um, myself, including myself, everyone here, let's, let's claim what God has said. Let's declare and, and lay hold of the promises that he said in his word. Let's expect it. Let's exercise our faith, what God has said, and receive it as ours. All right. Turn in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 5. So I'm just going to let you turn to that, <laughs> if you're able. You know, here's the thing. I know we all have, it's just so much easier to just sit and, and listen to it. And I'm not saying, hey, if, you know, not able to turn, that's fine. There's something about turning to the scripture and reading it on the written page. And this is just such a great scripture. So we're going to turn to it and we're going to look at it. It says in verse 14, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. So we can be bold in this, what he's going to say. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us. Now that's a key phrase. If we know that he hears us. See, a lot of people are like, well, I don't know if God's hearing me or not. I mean, I've been praying and praying. Nothing's happened. I don't know. Is he hearing me? They don't know that he's heard them. That's the key phrase right there. If we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. Isn't that so great? What happens when God hears us? He answers. But what's the qualifier? Rule number one. Can't claim something from God he hasn't promised. So you got to find out what has he said. Well, I'm going to give you a couple things he said in the area of finances. Two things, well-known scriptures, Philippians 4.19 says, And my God will supply, will meet all your needs. I'm reading from a different translation than what I have it memorized. That comes out every now and then. You get like a verse that's merged with three different translations. And my God will meet all your needs according to his riches in glory. And how about Malachi? The last part of Malachi 3.10 says this. He said, test me in this. See if I will not open up the windows of heaven for you and pour out a blessing until you don't have enough room to store it. That's a little bit, you know, modified translation too. But that's from out of my heart, right? All right, so a promise to meet your need is a promise, an indicator, let's say it that way, an indicator you're going to encounter needs, right? But I want to bring out encounter needs, not live in perpetual need. There's a whole big difference between, you know, Josh, you're doing really good, you know. I mean, business is flourishing, all this, and suddenly you have a need for an airplane. You know what I mean? That's that's now a need. doesn't mean that you're like in this severe lack or before, but now you have a need. Or perhaps, Jonathan, you know, you're... God's blessed you with a house. And that's great. And that's blessing. Oh, but suddenly you need siding. (laughs) A new need opened up. But hallelujah, there is a promise to meet the need. Not a promise that you're just going to live in lack and need all your life. I just want to make that clear. But all the promises of God have two parts. There's God's part and there's my part. All the promises of God. 
even salvation. God's promise to remove your sin and redeem you from hell. He's promised that. Do you have a part to play? Is that an automatic? Oh, everybody's saved just because that's God's promise. No, you have to receive that. You have to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. How about, well, God will never leave you. Never. Oh, that's a promise. What if you leave God? Is he always with you, even if you walk away from him? Doesn't he say, draw near to me and I will draw near to you? So don't you have a part to play in how close he is? So all the promises of God, all of them, there's God's part and there's your part. So back up to the verses I just said, uh, Philippians um, 4.19. We, we use that one so much. You know, God's going to supply all our needs. Well, what preceded that? Verse 18. Paul referenced this ample payment, this ample offering that they had given him. And he says, he, he referenced this offering. He said it's a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And then he said, my God shall supply all your needs. How about Malachi? What preceded the verse, the last part of that verse? I left that out. It said, bring in the whole tithe to the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. And then see, test me in this and see. So there's our part and there's God's part. So I just want to, I just wanted to encourage us tonight. Let's, let's lay hold of the promise. Let's lay claim to it. But we just identified God's will, right? This is God's will for you to be well supplied, needs met. We didn't just cook something up. This is what God has said. So now if you need something from the Lord, you can claim it. Your part, his part. All right. Take a hold of your tithe. Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful to be here tonight. And we're just thankful that you're so good to us. We're thankful that we have the privilege the ability to be able to tithe, that you've blessed us with resources from which to tithe from. So we present that to you as part of our worship. Lord, we just lay claim to your promise. We lay claim to your promise of provision. We call every need met in this house. We thank you for the windows of heaven open and blessings poured out until there's no more lack for every tither here. We declare it so, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And amen. And the ushers can pass the baskets, and the people will give to the Lord. So the CWI Families Group Smoked Meat Cook-Off coming up May 30th at the Burroughs Home. So that's been in the bulletin a couple times. Follow the instructions. Citygate, Columbia. <laughs> Was that too bossy? <laughs> okay. Uh, Citygate, Columbia is coming up July 3rd, so there's a sign-up sheet for that. Actually, there's a lot of sign-up sheets, again, in the back. Citygate, Columbia, you can sign up to be a part of that. Foundations class, sign-up sheet in the back for that. Uh, date is to be determined. But that's just a good class if you are new here to the church or even if you've been here and you just want to be strengthened in some foundational truths, you just kind of feel like you'd like to just have that, um, feel like led to take part of that. Sign up sheets in the back. Also, if you're graduating from high school or college this spring, let us know. Uh, sign up in the back as well. CWI Summer Picnic is coming up August 28th. Be looking for more details. 
Now, the thing that I want to announce that is not in the bulletin that I want everyone paying attention to, it would make us so happy. Um, so as you may be wondering, we know that uh, the landmark, Armada landmark is coming up and people have been asking about registration email. So that is coming. Please look for that email. And here's what I'm asking. If you are at all are going to be here for suppers, please speedily register. When you see that email, I know I've done it. You know, oh, yes, email, but I don't have time, so I just do take, make a note. Whatever you have to do, make sure you sign up. It would bless these ladies so much if they knew how many to, to prepare for. I mean, wouldn't that be a bummer if they prepared for 50 and there was 100 of us? I mean, some of us are fasting. So... <laughs> <laughs> and it's first come, first serve. So <laughs> anyways, we would so appreciate if you could just, um, yeah, register as soon as that email comes out. Thank you so much. All right, Pastor, are you ready to come? Bless the people. Looking forward to the Armada Landmark. It's always a landmark time in my life, and I know that many of yours have experienced the same thing. So do be in prayer. Right for the speakers and all the ones that are going to be involved to make that happen, because we know that the Lord has uh, is interested in accomplishing certain things, but but we have a part, as we heard a little bit ago. There's our part and there's His part. So let's lift it up in prayer and um, and uh, approach it prepared in that way. Also, I want to mention a few other things. One is on the foundations class. If you're new, newer here with us, um, I would ask you to please go through foundations class. It, it's not just something if you want to be a little more foundational. It's if you consider this your church and you want to be a part of it. We don't have an official membership, right? But what we do ask is that go through the foundations class. That way you know exactly where we stand on some of those foundational issues, as well as it is a way to get you uh, more fully plugged into the body here. So if uh, if this is your church, then, then please uh, do sign up for that. The gift of God in Larry Mills will be here ministering to you. And so he and Kay are here, and so they'll minister. So come expecting and lift him up in prayer that um, he'll have the, the right word for you and I. So And a few things that you can pray about and agree with us about. Um, we are looking at uh, church planting, and we are we're praying over uh, both Richmond, Virginia, and up in Connecticut, and who, what, where, when, Lord. And so we are looking at all those answers, or looking for, looking to the Lord for those answers. So be praying in that. I know many of you committed to pray for this, and I did send out to those of you who who followed the instructions and sent me an email. I emailed you back with a prayer list and so of, of to pray through that. And if you say, well, man, I would like to be a part of that, that's not too late. Just send an email to info at churchoftheword.com and um, we'll get you put on that. And so schedule-wise, there's nothing to know in regards to, to schedule with that, but there is a, a, a part that we have, prayer, fasting, Right and uh, getting before the Lord on it. You know, some time ago when I was in uh, 
in Tanzania. I was climbing the mountain and, and the Lord was speaking to me on some things. And one of the things he told me to do was to get my pilot's license. And so I came home and I went and talked to different airports about getting pilot's license. I talked to different instructors. I explored different options from here to Colorado to in Oregon. And um, checked prices. You know, I did everything that you would do if you're going to get get your pilot's license. Well, um, a couple weeks ago, I guess it would have been the week we came back from Florida with the safety team. By the way, how many of you appreciate our safety team? <clears throat> Jacob is Jacob Wave at everyone so they know who the big Greek guy is. He's been leading the team, and, and the team has been doing a wonderful job, and we're very grateful to them. And we have invested into them in uh, taking them down to Florida several weeks ago and putting them through a week of training because we love you and we care about your safety here in this house. We believe first and foremost that we're protected, right? And that God forbid that we would ever have to use any of those safety measures, and we're believing to be protected from that, Okay. In the event those things should happen, we are also prepared to deal with it. And so that is what our uh, our safety team is doing here. And in a couple weeks, we will bring them and uh, we'll have we'll we'll talk to you about some things to uh, be expecting and looking for and to be aware of with our with our safety team. All of that to be said, um, how did I get off on that? Oh, the weekend we got back from Florida with that training. Uh, we come in and, and we were in worship and the Lord started ministering and he came, he came to me in, in, on the inside and he was very stern with me. And he asked me, he said, didn't I tell you to get your pilot's license? And so <laughs> I didn't realize I was being disobedient. You know, I'd done all the shopping, but I wasn't getting them yet because, well, once you provide the money, Lord, I'll do it, right? Once you provide all the things that I need, all the eyes and all the crossbars for the T's, once you get those around, I'll do it, Lord. And so he, he was stern with me and he said, didn't I tell you when you were on the mountain to get your pilot's license? Yes, 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 sir, you did. And, uh, you know, in those moments of clarity, suddenly there's, you know, all the excuses are flimsy and they just don't cut it. So you don't even mention them, Right. Some of you might, but. And so I said, yes, Lord, I, I will. I shall. I'll get on it immediately. And so on the way home, um, I told Jen, you know, hey, this isn't something for the future. This is something for now. I need to do this now. And so when I was in Colorado this past week, I signed up with uh, a group or someone that I know there. And um, so I'm going to, I'm doing my ground schooling right now here at home. And uh, it's online, so most of it I can do from anywhere. And then when it comes to the flight training, I'm going to do that in Colorado, and I'm going to be out there for 14 days, and we're going to do it in one, one thing. I'm kind of of an experiment, because most people do it in months. And um, I said, well, how fast can we do it? If I, really, if I really apply myself, how fast can we do it? I'm in two weeks. And so other, other flight instructors said, yeah, I don't know if that's possible. Um, but these guys are saying, oh, yeah, we know a way that we can do it. Well, have you ever done it before? No, but we're pretty sure we can do it. <laughs> so here's where your involvement comes in. I'm asking you to pray for me, all right, that I would grasp concepts quickly, retain them, 
understand them and, and be able to uh, make it through that in two weeks. And, and I will. I don't have any doubt that I will. And so I appreciate your um, involvement and your prayers in those things. You say, well, Pastor, why are you getting your pilot's license? I don't know, but do I need to know? Just what I need to do is obey the Lord, right? He has a plan, and in time all will be made clear. And so right now the important part is to to obey that for me.